Another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream and you can holler. Hi folks, this is Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man through the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Dictated a bit differently today, I'm once again at home in the home office. You're going to have more shows like this. I didn't have time to get ready another medicinal plant show, so even though I'm home, we're not going to do one of those today. Today we're going to talk about a couple different things. The main focus of today's show is going to be on alternative energy, uh, and, and I would say more along the lines of sustainable energy for the individual, how to improve your ability uh, to keep your essential systems running for as long as possible in the event of a power failure for any reason whatsoever or simply to achieve more independence from the utility grid system. Uh, but we're going to do a couple additional things today. Um, there's some things I've wanted to do more and more. Of. I, I would like to read more letters from... Um, audience members. I get a lot of email from audience members. Sometimes maybe I'll even, in these new shows, read occasionally some of my hate mail, which I think you guys might find amusing. Um, but I want to read a lot of the positive letters is what I really want to read. I got one today. I want to read that to you. I also have been really wanting to share with you guys for a very long time an article I wrote a long time ago about gun rights. And it's not a real long article. And I'm going to read that to you today. And then we're going to talk about alternative energy. Before that, though, we're going to knock out some housekeeping and uh, first and foremost we have to uh, take care of our sponsors because they help make the show possible for you um, one of our newest sponsors just came on board with us is um, Solutions from Science and they have what they call a survival seed bank I want you guys to check this out um, it's a pretty cool little setup. It's a it's just a whole bunch of hybrid seeds in fact enough to plant a full acre and since they're uh, I'm, I'm sorry, non-hybrid seeds. Um, non-hybrid seeds, heirlooms that you can save and use over and over again. And enough to plant a full acre and to continuously replant over and over again. What's cool about it, though, is the way that they're sealed. They're sealed in a, a, a manner that if they're kept at 70 degree temperatures or lower, they are uh, viable for 20 years. And if you freeze them, you can you can uh, really even extend that time further. So it's not uh, a, a group of seeds to buy and go out and plant tomorrow. It's a group of seeds to go buy and use for the future, uh, to have as a reserve in case something goes wrong, to create your own seed bank the way that the governments of the world have. Uh, the next sponsor of the day today is Western Botanicals. Hey, man, if you want some of the best stuff out there for uh, taking care of yourself, both through kind of life's pains, aches, and illnesses, and to prevent them in the first place, check out Western Botanicals. Great formulas. We've got some good stuff coming from them, folks. I'm going to be showing you how to make some poultices and some uh, tinctures and things like that. Kyle's boxing some stuff up to me and sending it to me with instructions for some YouTube videos, so that's going to be cool. So check out Western Botanicals. Remember, you get a 10% uh, discount on purchases from Western Botanicals if you're an MSB member. Uh, so next, um, join our forum, get involved. Uh, we're very close to 4,000 members. When we hit 4,000 members, I've changed my mind. I'm going to give away three MSB memberships uh, to people that are forum members. But you'll have to be a forum member to win, uh, unlike the normal listener appreciation contest. There's going to be a forum members appreciation contest this time. Um, so if you're already a member, you can gift it to somebody, or you can just tell me to find somebody else to give it to you. But if you're not a forum member, you're not going to be able to play. So if you're not in the forum, there's only like 
30 spots left to get in before we give away the prize. Um, that's not going to make it through the week. So join today if you want to win a free uh, annual membership. It is an annual one-year membership to the MSB. All right, with that, um, if you think the show's worth more than 20 cents an episode, don't wait to win. Join the MSB. Uh, you'll get exclusive content available only to members, like the discount I met, mentioned for Western Botanicals, and discounts for a lot of other people. i got a new one I'm going to announce tomorrow, uh, but we just added a discount yesterday for MERS Radio. Um, and we're continuously adding discounts and ebooks and everything we can to uh, increase the value of the MSB membership. And again, we're talking $5 a month or $50 a year to support the show and get all the stuff. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into uh, kind of a couple different things from normal that I wanted to uh, to tell you about. I'm going to leave out um, anything specific here, the individual's name, where he's actually living, and, and what his real job is, just because I want to, uh, to protect the, the person's anonymity. But here's part of his email. You've had a great influence on my life and my household. I know you like numbered lists, so here's my top five ways my lifestyle has changed thanks to TSP. Number five, water. Our tap water in the place that I live uh, sucks. We've been paying $70 each month for bottle delivery. We're now using a Berkey light water system, saving money, and we now have the ability to filter river water should the shit hit the fan. Number four, debt. I already drank the Dave Ramsey Kool-Aid and was working on reducing debt. You reinforced this goal and helped encourage me to clean it out completely. By the end of December, we'll be credit card debt-free and we'll knock out the car and student loans shortly after that. From there, it will only take us two years to set aside up to pay cash for a home with land. Number three, bread. Bread is no longer something we buy at the store. Bought my lovely wife a top-quality bread maker. We're stocked up with 90 days' worth of wheat flour, yeast, etc. My digestive system has never worked better. Bread is just the first major staple that we've gone self-sufficient on. Once we have our home, instead of renting a condo on a golf course, we're we're getting chickens and a cow. Two, um, CO2. Yes, good old CO2. I'm a meteorologist. Remember, I'm not giving away his real occupation. Master's degree and all. I was taken in hook, line, and sinker by the global warming crowd. And I'm quite dismayed by the fact that the folks who I wholeheartedly support, like Ron Paul and Jack Spirico, oh God, what an honor to be mentioned that way, claim that AGW is a hoax. So, I decided to slow down, open my mind, and seek the truth. Did quite a bit of research, read up on Senator Inhofe's and Lou Rockwell's writings, and finally realized that, no kidding, it really is bullshit. Gardening and wild food. Thanks to TSP, Jack, I've actually had my wife and kids out uh, on family food foraging after hours on the golf course we live on. We're in the tropics, and there's food everywhere, yet nobody eats it. We go out regularly now and get bananas and breadfruit from trees that the golfers here look at as decorations. Additionally, you can see by the attacks picture, pictures we're gardening. I'm making damn sure my kids are raised as gardeners and not just grocery store consumers. And yes, our growing season is year-round with a wink, grin, little icon thing at the bottom. So, you know, I, I think that's pretty cool. I, I think that's absolutely one of the coolest emails I've got. And I'm going to try to read maybe one or two a week like that to you. I've got a whole folder full of them. Because uh, I dropped them into an email called Show Feedback. And uh, it's pretty inspirational to hear from you guys. And I hear people with stories like that um, multiple times every day. And that's what makes this show worth doing. 
And uh, with that, I want to do something else for you right now. Um, again, I want to mention this. I wrote this article a long time ago, uh, probably three or four years before I even conceived of the Survival Podcast. And uh, it's about gun rights, but I think it's going to be different than any article you've ever heard on gun rights before. So again, article on gun rights. It's called That Old Gun, Thoughts on Guns, Freedom, and America by Jack Spirico. As sportsmen, we hear often about the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and the right of all Americans to keep and bear arms. Yet to me, the real story of America, our guns, and the freedoms we enjoy is a much deeper and a much more moving story. It is a story that has been handed down from father to son to grandson. It is a story that lives in the hearts of old men who can still remember autumn days of their youth. It is a story that has been told around fires at deer camps. And above all, it is a story held in millions of guns. Most hunters have such a story and a gun they carry. I'd like to share mine with America to show the real issues behind what sportsmen are defending when we protect our right to keep and bear arms. My story takes the form of an old bolt-action Model 25 Marlin and 22 long rifle. This little gun has been with me since my dad gave it to me, at 13 for Christmas. It's without a doubt the most accurate 22 outside of those custom target models I've ever seen. I've shot squirrels in the 100-yard range with it, crows galore, groundhogs, and more varmints than anyone could ever hope to number. If my house was on fire and I could grab only one of my guns, after getting the kiddo and the wife out, of course, it, it would be that marlin. You see, my custom Mauser 3006 can be replaced. My collection of many guns can be replaced. The oak cabinet that houses them can be replaced. However, a gun a man has carried for more than 20 years, since being a dream-filled 13-year-old boy, can never be replaced. Such a gun is destined to belong to a son or a daughter, and is priceless to its owner. In America, guns are not just a weapon or a tool. In America, guns are tradition, value, and something handed down from generation to generation. In America, a gun can be transformed from a $50 Christmas present into a boy's best friend, and then eventually become a gateway to a man's most cherished memories. When I hold that old gun, I can almost feel the wind in those wide fields I chased rabbits through. I can feel the young, much stronger legs I once had ache from pursuing squirrels on steep slopes with an all-day vigor that would have made an elk hunter sweat. I remember how on a Sunday afternoon, as I crawled on my stomach and crested a shell bank that cut up my knees and looked a hundred yards across an old strip mine dump at a flock of crows, I was not Jack Spierko, poor boy from the coal region. Nope, I was Jack O'Connor or Robert Rourke. On those Sundays, my status in life did not matter, nor my minimum wage existence. And when I leveled the crosshairs on a crow's wing, it wasn't even a crow. It was a dowel ram, or a cape buffalo. Then, when I squeezed off the shot, I could begin to truly understand the feelings those great authors were trying to convey to us when they took us with words to the Alaskan mountains and the African plains. As a young and free American boy, I carried that gun up and down the remains of Pine Hill and Sharp Mountains, which had been ravaged by strip mining, and through countless farm fields all over rural Pennsylvania. Today those fields are mostly gone, lost to the progress of housing developments and strip malls. 
Much of my own my old Pine Hill Mountain now has homes built on it. The coal company closed off the rest, so you can't even hunt there anymore. Yet that little old Marlin is like a time machine. I can pick it up and remember shots made and missed on seemingly meaningless game. A blackbird at 80 yards. A walnut plucked from a tree with no damage on a bet that won me a beer from a buddy. And a lot more. It is the freedom we have enjoyed in this nation that turns an old $50 rifle into a time machine. A reminder to conserve our wilderness. And one of a man's most cherished possessions. When one of the Second Amendment's best-known defenders, Charlton Heston, stated often, You can have my rifle when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. This is the tradition and value that spawns such devotion to a basic American freedom that the anti-gun group simply cannot understand. As time has turned page by page, so many of our special places where a young man could escape with a twenty-two rifle and a pocket full of shells have vanished. Sometimes when I look around, it seems almost none of them are left. Yet there still are many such places, and millions of others live inside guns like my old twenty-two, And those memories of the lost fields inspire us to protect the ones we have left. You probably have such a gun that holds your memories that you hope to hand down to a son or daughter someday. Go ahead. Pick it up. And remember what it was like the day you held it for the first time. Remember what it was like the day you fired it for the first time. Remember the pride you took in taking care of it. Remember the special places you traveled with it. But above all, remember the imagination that it inspired in you. As adults, we lose so much of that imagination that makes our children so special. We just can't seem to imagine away our debts for a little while, or thoughts of a job we would prefer not to have. We can't travel to Africa in milliseconds the way we did stalking small game as kids. Or can we? I can, and I bet you can too. All I do is pick up that old gun, and I am there, if only for a moment. And it seems each time I do it, I find another forgotten memory held within. So the next time you hear about the Second Amendment or a political battle to keep our right to own firearms, remember, it's not just a legal debate. No, it is much more. When anti-gun groups want to take away your guns, they are really trying to take away your memories and your youth. They are also trying to take away your ability to have those memories live beyond your years in an old gun that you hope someday will be carried by your children and your grandchildren. When you think about it that way, the debate is totally different. It is not just legal sparring. It is, at its core, a debate to preserve the freedom that has made America a nation of dreamers who have dared to both dream and achieve the impossible. Think about that the next time you pick up that old gun. Now hopefully folks that makes a difference. Hopefully it makes you remember something. It makes me remember a lot of things. It makes me uh it makes me realize how many special things we've lost and how many things we need to fight to preserve. And I'm gonna take a major gear shift now and go into the main topic today. But as I talk about some of the things that maybe seem a little bit political here understand that 
the attack to take away the things that we hold dear and want to preserve comes from many different places. But it really all has the same centric core. A belief that man is not capable of taking care of himself, that we need somebody else to do it for us, somebody that's wiser and more sophisticated and smarter and will make good decisions on our behalf because we are lowly serfs. And that's really what it's all about. And nothing could be more true when we look at alternative energy. Whenever I talk about this subject, I always say that, you know what? Alternative energy is not for saving polar bears. It is not for preventing global warming. It is to provide you with individual independence from the system. And people say, Jack, why in the hell do you have to make something so universal, a desire for personal freedom, the reduction of an electric bill, for God's sake, and politicize it? Why do you even have to bring it up? Because it's the most important piece of it. And left undiscovered and left undiscussed, it's why most people never actually do the things to create energy independence for themselves. This is the way this works. Your government does not want solar panels on your roof. Period. End of story. The end. Done. They don't want it. If they did, when they spent $800 billion of the stimulus to create green jobs and energy independence and all this other crap, when it was really like to provide food for a mouse in the swamps in Nancy Pelosi's district and put new grass at the Capitol Mall and all this other crap and build a tunnel for turtles in Florida. If they really wanted energy independence, do you know what they could have done? They could have put out a subsidy that would have allowed every single family homeowner in America to put a 2 kilowatt solar system on their house grid tied. Every house in America producing that. But no. And why? See, the, the, the key here is, and, and I know that some of you get bugged about the, the, the political connotations, but as long as we can convince the population that the earth is going to end, oh my God, look at the polar bear. He's floating on an iceberg. Probably swam out there. Polar bears swim miles from shore. They like it. But if we use that image creatively with some creative camera angles and some pullbacks and some eerie music and we show images of Hurricane Katrina and then say that's going to happen in New York City permanently we can convince the sheep that oh my god something must be done and then we can sell them on something like cap and trade and we can sell them on all these things that we need to do to provide more and more clean energy you notice they don't call it alternative energy you know you notice they don't call it energy for independence do you notice they call it clean energy as though all the other energy we produce in every other format is dirty? Why does this matter? It matters because I don't care if we put tidal energy around the entire coast. I don't care if we put windmills everywhere that a windmill is supposed to go. I don't care if we fill the deserts with solar panels. I don't care what we do as a nation to create independence from foreign sources of oil, which is what it's supposedly all about. It doesn't fix the problem for you. As long as a utility company makes the power, distributes the power, and sells the power to you, you remain dependent 100%. And this is the important thing to understand. The government gets to tax it. And they don't just tax it when you buy it. 
See, we fail to understand the web of taxation. That anybody could possibly today think there's room to allow our government to increase any tax or put in any new tax or any new fee anywhere is asinine. It really is. If you are for any tax increase, you are missing everything that's going on. You don't have any idea how much tax there already is. Let's talk about generating a kilowatt of power to sell to you. Okay, well, the first thing we have to do is some way or another, the power has to be generated. Now, if it's coal or oil, it has to be extracted. The activity and the income earned around it is taxed. The distribution of the fuel is taxed. If it's a windmill, the assembly of the windmill, the building permits, the land that the windmill sits on is taxed. Then it has to be generated and distributed. Its distribution is taxed. Somebody has to oversee it. They earn an income. Their income is taxed. Every time that person purchases anything, their income is taxed. The energy travels through a wire to your house, hits your meter, and you use it. It's taxed again on delivery. You use it to accomplish something. Maybe you use it to power your home computer so you can run a home business. You earn income. It is taxed. You take that income and you go to the store and you buy something to eat. And you say, I beat the tax monster. Food is not taxed. But you drove there in a car. You spent fuel, which was taxed. If you have an electric car, you paid the tax for the electricity to get the car going. When you get to the store and you buy your food and you say you're out of the tax system... Somebody stocked the store, their income was taxed. Somebody rang you up at the register, their income was taxed. Somebody drove the truck that got the food to where you were at, their income was taxed. And every time all those people spend the money they've earned, it's taxed again. The truck that brought the food burned fuel. The fuel was taxed. The state the truck is registered in was taxed to exist. When the company or the independent trucker bought the truck... It was taxed in sales tax. When he sells it, it'll be taxed again. When he gets it worked on, it's taxed. And I'm going to stop because I could keep going forever. That's how much tax there is. And a tremendous amount of that whole system's linchpin is the production and distribution of energy. Motor fuels and electricity. That's where it all comes from. It gives the government so much power, it creates dependence, and it fuels the bureaucratic apparatus at the same time. So, you want independent energy? Then you have to pay attention to that. Because unless you get that's what's going on, then you do things like, I'll buy from a green energy producer who's buying from the same power plant your neighbor's paying five cents a kilowatt less for. And that's the truth. We have a we have a company here in uh, Texas. They're called Green Mountain Energy. Um, they buy their power from the TXU, just like everybody else does. So you get the same power, and they'll say we guarantee that at least ten percent of the energy produced is done through alternative means. Well, same thing with all the other energy you buy in the state of Texas. It's just power. It all goes to one point, and then it's distributed. How it gets, you know, they can't separate. You know, it's just asinine that people even think this. They can't separate, you know, your kilowatts from mine kilowatts and send me dirty kilowatts and you clean ones. It's just power. So what do you do if you want to become independent? Well, you, first you understand that. You understand what you're becoming independent from. And then what you do is you say, how do I get off of this? And you do a lot of the things 
that the typical um, wishy-washy, namby-pamby, touchy-feely, airy-fairy types tell you to do. Number one, you improve the efficiency of your home. They're, they're absolutely right when they tell you to do that. More energy-efficient appliances and light bulbs and insulation and radiant barriers and uh, wrap your hot water heater up with insulation. Anything and everything you can do to make your home more energy-efficient, you do it. And any way you can get some of your own money back that the government stole from you in the form of tax through rebates, get your money back. Any alternative energy subsidy you can get your hands on, if it makes sense to do the action, if the action's going to have a payback, do it and take the money back. And then don't let somebody lie to you and say, see, you're, you're taking advantage of government. You're not taking advantage of government. Trust me, you paid way more tax than you're ever going to get back. Because it's not just how much tax you pay at the end of the year, how much tax they keep and give you back some little tiny rebate. It's all the taxes we already talked about. You're just getting back some piece that's been taken from you that, in my opinion, is theft in the first place. So do it. The next thing you need to do is you need to understand that your first bridge toward independence is compensation for the lack of the grid. So it's a generator. That's not alternative energy, Jack. It burns gas or propane, and it makes noxious fumes. You're damn right it doesn't. Go get one. Start out with a little inexpensive one, a couple hundred dollars. Two to three hundred bucks, you can get a generator in the neighborhood of one kilowatt to eighteen hundred, uh, you know, a uh, thousand to eighteen hundred watts. 1 to 1.8 kW. Maybe even a little bit bigger. But get your first one. Be cheap. Go low. We're going to get a better one later. We're just going to make sure that initially we can run a few lights. We can keep the food in the ref- in the refrigerator and freezer. Uh, we can get through a one or two day blackout with some conveniences. Then the next thing that you do, you're going to build a battery backup system. Which is going to consist of two or more um batteries, deep deep storage life batteries, and a charger, and a charge controller, and maybe an AC, uh, an AC inverter. So you can connect to your batteries and convert it to alter- alternating current. So you can plug things in without using direct DC. So you're going to build that. And it's not hard to do. We'll do some videos for you on it, on how to build a battery backup system. But it's pretty daggone simple. And with that, you're going to have a couple different things that you can accomplish. One is you can just kind of basically plug it in and charge it up from the outlets in your home while the grid's up and working. And then you're going to have a generator and a battery backup system if the power goes out. And you're going to extend your longevity during periods of power outages. And you're going to start to play around with them and you're going to use them uh, in your day-to-day life. Maybe you'll use your battery backup system and into your containment box. Maybe you'll drop in a little cheap car stereo with a couple cheap car stereo speakers and use it out by the side of the pool or in the backyard. Because from there, you see, the next thing you do is you go out and you get yourself a reasonable solar panel and you start producing your own solar energy into that battery backup system. And now, see, now you have something that will produce power even after you run out of gas for the generator, and even if the grid is down, now you have some level of solar capability. Now, here's what's important to understand. Once you've gotten this far, you may not feel like you've gotten very far, but think about this. During the day, while the power's out, you may not really need that much energy. So 
your battery backup system's down, the sun's not shining, you take your generator, you use just enough to run your freezer a little bit here and there to keep the food frozen, because as long as you keep the door shut, it doesn't take that much. And at other times, you use it to charge your backup battery system. Now, later that night, you have a fully charged battery system, and you have a gas-sipping generator, because it's a small set, and you can run some stuff for the generator sitting outside, running some lines into the house and running a few things, and you can take the battery backup system to a different part of the house, and all of a sudden, those simple, low investments, and you're still well under $500 a cost here, if you're smart about the way you do it, and you've got all of this redundancy. Well, here's the thing. By the time you, you build the battery backup system, you hook a solar panel up, you learn how things like a charge controller, regulator, and AC inverter work, you're going to know enough to make that little battery backup system into six or eight batteries of backup system and put up one or two, one to 200 watts of solar panels, maybe up on your roof or maybe on a standpoint somewhere, and all of a sudden you can run several appliances in your house for quite a while. And you've self-taught yourself how to do it. Now, you haven't taught yourself how to like tie it into your grid, feed power back through the system. You're limited on what you can do with AC conversion, but you've got a scalable system. And from there, as the prices of all this stuff continue to come down, you can continually scale up. And there are some expensive components you eventually have to buy. And maybe if you decide eventually you want to go into a grid-tied with battery backup system, you have to phone up an electrician and let them do the the connections that actually mess with the high voltage. And you have to be careful you don't hurt yourself. But you'll learn how to do so much of it on your own that you'll be able to take a solar system that would normally cost you $20,000 to have put in today, and maybe it'll take you five years to get it up and running. But you'll get it done for under 5000 Still take every government incentive you can along the way. Along the way, do some other things to start creating energy independence for yourself. Do simple things. Get a solar oven. It's one less energy usage in the house. It's 45 degrees outside today, or 48 degrees or something like that. I still might cook in my solar oven, because the sun's shining beautifully. That's all I need is sunlight. It can be damn near zero degrees, and the sun will still heat the oven up to 300 degrees. In fact, as soon as I'm done with the uh, podcast, I'm going to go see what I can find in the in the uh, refrigerator, see if there's anything in there I can make today. Well, I'm not going to use the electricity for the stove for that. If you have a gas stove, you're not going to use the gas. Can you do it every day? No, the sun doesn't shine every day. But it's one level of independence. Look at other things you can do. Um, You can have a really expensive solar hot water system put in your home. You can spend thousands and thousands of dollars on it. Or you can basically build a box with a glass top full of black pipes and you can run a bypass valve out the inside of your uh, hot water heater up to your roof into that box and out the other side of that box. And there's plans online all over the place to do this. And you can run that line back down into your hot water heater and preheat your water before it goes into hot water heater and cut your electric bill. And it is that simple. And you should get a plumber to come out and that bypass valve and check your fittings for you. But you can do 90% of the work and it will cost almost nothing. There's so many things that you can do. You can be a, build a passive solar heating box to heat one room of your house that the sun hits reasonable but not really enough to warm the room as much as you would like. You basically build a box, you paint the inside black, you put a series of baffles in it, you have an intake at the bottom and an outtake at the top, and you don't have to put a big old wall penetration anywhere. You build something that's designed to basically open your window and close down on top of it, 
the way you would do with, say, a window air conditioning unit. And when the, when the sun is up and hitting that area, you open the window and stick the thing in there and close it down, and it produces free heat for you. I've seen people do it almost the entire wall of the side of a house with wall penetrations. And they get so much heat during the day, and they build up a good heat pocket in the home, they almost don't need any heat at night if they have good insulation. But they certainly cut their electric bill. It's not complicated. It doesn't require scientific innovation. It requires action. It requires thought. It requires creativity, and it requires teaching yourself some skills. But it's out there for all of us if it's what we really want. But that kind of effort doesn't come from trying to save the planet. It comes from understanding that as long as you are dependent on any man, you are in effect their slave. And right now we are all slaves, to a large degree, to many systems of support, chief among them the energy system. And it's time that we start thinking about ways to get out of that. Now, does that mean that I plan on, you know, within two years after moving to Arkansas, cutting the power from the grid? I'll keep the power from the grid. Hopefully I'll use 10% of what I do when I first get there. That's my goal, to produce 90% of the power that I use on a regular basis. If I produce 50%, I'll be happy. I'll be happy because if that grid ever goes down, 50% will be enough to give me the things that I need. And anything else that I'm taking after that is by choice. And when you purchase something from anybody completely by choice, you control the situation. The problem is that we're not in a situation by choice anymore. People need power. The way we build our homes, the way we do our distribution, the way we do everything, you can't really get by at a house without power in most of America today. Now the Amish do it. I know there's places you can go do it. And there's houses that are built to deal with the, the consequences of not having power because they were built before or built designed on houses that were built before power existed. But in much of America today, we don't have a choice. There's plenty of places you can't have no power to your house. It's actually against the law for you to willingly shut off your power. There's places where the power company, if you don't pay them, can't shut the power off. Or it's very hard to do. It takes months and months and months of no paying before they're even allowed to cut your power. Because the government has decided you can't live without power. But remember how much they get out of the whole equation. Interesting little scam, isn't it? See, as long as the power keeps flowing, even if you don't pay the bill, they make plenty of money. The government makes more money off a kilowatt than the people that produce and distribute the kilowatt. They make more money than the people that explore for the fuel, get the fuel, build up the fuel, convert the fuel, deliver the fuel, then convert it to electricity, then distribute it, then sell it. They make money, more money than everybody in that chain per kilowatt because they tax it before, during, and after. And it's up to you how much time do you want to spend, how much of your life do you want to give to that scam. And that's what it is, it's a scam. Our nation wasn't always this way. We weren't always taxed every time we turned around. We fought a war to get away from that stuff, folks. Now, I'm not saying we need to revolt. You know, everybody go out and shut the breaker off. No. I'm just saying we need to take control. And alternative energy is one way where we take control. Now, here's the beauty of this. Remember, everything I tell you is supposed to help you live a better life. Even if nothing goes wrong, you take control, you spend less money, you, you, you fund the system less. Everybody does a little bit. It has a big effect. We get more control. We have better lives. Something big happens. 
and all the power goes out, you have your little battery backup system, you have your, your generator set. Oh, and I left one out. Once you kind of get to the point where you're putting bigger solar panels on your backup system and all like that, get yourself, in fact, even before that, right about the time you're done building your battery backup system, before you even buy a solar panel, buy a big generator. And I mean, I don't mean huge, I mean 4,000 to 8,000 watts, right, somewhere in there. That'll run most of the systems in your home. Why? One, two is one and one is none. So now you have two generators. If one fails, you still have a generator. You have a big generator, a little generator, backup power system. So the power goes out for two weeks. As long as you're storing enough fuel, especially if you've got a little bit of alternative production capability, you'll sail through it. you sail right on through it. Hopefully you have a wood stove or a fireplace or something like that. If you live in a cold climate and you can burn wood uh, as a heating to get through that. Make sure you have box fans. You may not be able to uh, to completely run. Hold on, folks. i got to shut the dog off. Well, you know, you get off the road, and then you got hazards at home like dogs barking. He was going nuts in the backyard. But that's a simple, logical progression. That's how you do it without going broke. That's how you do it without going into debt. That's how you slowly expand, and you start with something simple, like a solar oven or a couple batteries in a box with a, just a plain old charger. You know, like you charge a trolling motor battery up with, and a converter, an AC-DC converter, bolted to the outside of it, and eventually you're producing 30, 40% of your power. You can get there slowly over time. See, think about it. We, we put this uh, this little battery backup system. Maybe we never even add to it. We just go, okay, that was our model. That was our scale model. Now we build a much bigger battery backup system in the home that's stationary. And we start to put some solar energy into it. And we just emulate the little system as a big system. We've learned from building the little one. And now we're ready to build the big one. And then we have to figure out, well, which appliances are we going to run with this? Which, which systems are we going to run with this? How much can we? We start to learn about load balancing and how much energy we're actually producing. But once that's done, if we want more reserve capacity, we add batteries. If we want more output capacity, we need a more powerful inverter. If we want more production, we need more solar panels or maybe a small wind, to- wind wind generation tool. And, hey, windmills don't have to be expensive. Quit looking at those $15,000 windmills. You can build your own. People have done it. The first people that ever did this, that's what they did. They take an electric motor and they run it backwards. They build a propeller and they stick it up on a roof and the wind blows and it spins and it makes electricity. Does it make a lot of electricity? But you can build four or five of them. The small wind generators are actually getting more and more affordable. Maybe you go ahead and buy one that's professionally built. Maybe you learn from looking at it how it's designed, how to make your own. There's so many things you can do. You you have a certain amount of power production capacity. You have, let's say, 200-watt solar panels. Well, you save up for a year and you buy a third one. And you just keep building out the array. Because you've learned now how to hook things up, how to wire things, how to run things. That's how you do this. You don't phone up Tom's solar panels and say, yeah, I want to buy a $40,000 system that has a 20-year return of investment or more. And the solar panels have a 15-year life cycle. It just doesn't make sense. And that's why it's all a scam. Because there's no viable alternative to just just go out and buy it and do it today and actually get a financial return of your investment. So the wealthy do it for status. The dedicated person uh, to... Uh, ecology, 
right, in the environment. The environmentalist wacko does it out of some sort of sick, twisted devotion. And everybody else says, just, yeah, we need to support this alternative energy stuff. And they put in some windmills, and they make us feel good about it. And we burn some natural gas, and we say that's a little bit better than oil. And they put some tidal stuff in, and they put some solar panels out. And California actually says, you know, we're going to put a bunch of solar panels out there. And Barbara Boxer and Nancy Pelosi and Diane Feinstein get in the way and say, you'll disturb the desert habitat if you put solar panels out there. And Schwarzenegger actually says something that makes sense for once in his life. You know, if I can't put solar panels in the desert, where the hell can I put them? But no matter how much of that they do, it's still from a system, it's still distributed, it's still taxed, and you're still dependent upon it. So my challenge to you today is to start thinking about ways to become independent from it. Start thinking about your individual family and yourself a little bit more than some myth that's been created for you by Hollywood to make you buy deeper into a system that already controls you. Sorry I have to politicize it, folks, but there's no way around it. Because it's reality. And I do what I can to stay as on topic as I can here and to not be political as often as I can. But you know what? There's some of these things, they are political in nature. And those of you that don't think we need to talk about politics, you're missing it. You don't understand. If you're worried about your survival, if you're worried about your independence, then you better pay attention on some levels, not all the time. Don't focus on them, but on the things that, that, that threaten it. And the thing that threatens us the most right now, the two big political issues, national health care that's going to bankrupt our country, and cap and trade that's a scam to make us feel better about the environment. We've got to do it now. We're about to have the coldest winter we've had in a decade or more. Mark my words, it's going to happen because of the sun's activity. There's real science here for anybody that wants to see it. If you doubt it, do some independent research and don't read the same stuff over and over that's designed to convince you of one way. Read the alternative opinions of real scientists. Look at the trends. Make your own decision. But it's not really about global warming or global cooling or whatever they come up with next. It's about a centralized system that makes people dependent. I don't care what they use to make you believe it's necessary. But our future evolves around independent energy ownership. The ability to produce and consume energy personally. Now see, that would solve all the problems. Even if the polar bear savers are right, if you can produce your own power in your backyard with solar and wind, they should be totally ecstatically happy, no matter what you believe, because you're still part of their solution. But you ruin the real system that they're trying to keep together. Nobody wants you as an individual to have that much power because you think about it. You can grow your own food in your backyard. Right? We talk about that all the time. Now, if you get a well, pull your own water out of the ground, well, anything needs electricity to run that well. If you could produce your own energy, your own food and your own water, what need do you have of a government? You don't need them. So what do you take from a government? That which you choose. And then you are governed as a person in a constitutional republic by choice? Do you really think the people that are in power want that? Of course not. So all their incentives are crap. They're designed to be an illusion, to make you think they're actually trying to get these things done. My statement is use them and do them. 
You know? And if you think I'm totally wrong, I don't care. I'm telling you to do the things that'll get you where you want to be anyway. You think I'm totally wrong about my take on environmentalism? I don't care. I'm telling you to get to a point where you're producing half or more of your own energy from your own systems that you own and control in a clean way. And if you're still not happy with that, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I don't try to please everybody on this show. I learned early on I can't do it. I'll always wrinkle some noses. And hopefully I've empowered you today instead of wrinkled your nose to realize that energy independence for you as an individual is possible if you'll take a scalable approach. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up today. Remember, go by the site. I'll have some links for you today in today's show notes. Check out the gear shop. Get some shirts. Get some stickers. Do some stuff like that. Above all, keep working hard to build a better life for yourself, no matter what comes your way. If you think the polar bears need saving, then do everything I said today to save the polar bears. If you think the polar bears are just fine, then do everything I said today to make your life better. Either way, it works out for the better. Either the way, it's what's better for you. And with that, this is the Jack Spears Show with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life in times get tough, or even if they don't. 